0: Today is our 35th anniversary. I was actually reminiscing with you. 35 years ago, it wasn't so cold on this day. It's quite cold today. And in the service, we're going to thank the Lord for these 35 years of His faithfulness. And we have been singing about the Lord's faithfulness. And we want to celebrate God's faithfulness, not just to us as a church over these last 35 years. But I want us as individuals to take time to remember God's faithfulness in our lives as individuals, as families. Think back how faithful God has been to you. Even though there may have been times in your life when you and I were not so faithful to God. We might have missed some things, maybe disobeyed him, maybe been unfaithful to him, maybe even ignored him. And yet he has remained faithful to us. So let's take time today to celebrate his faithfulness. We're also launching our a a new series called Our House. And in this series, we're going to talk about biblical matters relating to church, relating to our church and to the church in a general sense. Uh, One of the pictures that the New Testament uses for the church is the picture of a home, of a house, amen we are we are called a home a household of faith and uh, every local church every congregation is a household is a house for those who gather in that local church in that congregation and just like every individual or every family should have their own home their own house their own their own address um, every believer should belong to a spiritual home and have an address as well. You know, when, when you've got a house, when you've got a home, it, it kind of brings you a sense of security, comfort, support, accountability. That's in the natural when you've got a home. And the same applies to our spiritual house, our spiritual home. And so it is important for us to have that. For those of us who gather here, either in person or online, Awaken Life Church is our spiritual home. It's our household. It's our house. And so from the launching of the church at Pentecost, every congregation, every local church begins with a calling. If You go to the book of Acts, you find that very quickly after that day of Pentecost, churches began to pop up all over the place, both in Jerusalem and then eventually it spread out. And every single one of those churches began with a calling, someone being called to to lead and to look after that church. And so, in part one today, uh, our part one uh, of a message is called "Whom Shall I Send?" And I want to start by reading our text this morning, which comes from Isaiah: "Whom shall I send?" And in chapter six, verse eight of Isaiah, we read the following. This is Isaiah speaking. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. Now the setting of this is this. Isaiah had a vision of the Lord. He saw the Lord sitting on a throne. It was majestic. He saw the glory of the Lord. There were angelic beings flying around the throne. And as they did so, they cried out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And when Isaiah saw this, he felt so small. He felt so insignificant. He felt his humanity. He felt his sin. He felt his failure. There is nothing like being in the presence of the holiness of God to realize how unholy we are it's like you know you, you you put some clothes on in a dark room you put the clothes on and, and then you walk out into the sunlight and when you walk out in the sunlight you realize oops but this thing is creased and my pants are dirty and but you couldn't see it back there in the dark room but when you come into the light you see it clearly it's the same with us and our spiritual lives, our moral lives, our thought lives, you know, we kind of do things in the dark here and we seem okay until we come into the light of the Lord and we go, oops, I'm not as cool as I thought I was. And so we feel, oosh. And that's what Isaiah felt when, when that happened. He felt, he felt worthless. He felt unclean. And then one of those beings that were worshiping the Lord, there was an altar. And he took a coal from the altar and he came and he touched Isaiah on the mouth. Now, Isaiah did not get burned, okay? That coal cleansed him. And the Lord said, Isaiah, now, because you've been touched by me, your sins are forgiven. Your guilt is gone. Ha, wow. And then, he hears the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and you shall go for us? And then he could say, here I am, Lord. Send me. You're so overwhelmed by the, the glory of God. And yet he felt touched by God. That he was willing to risk standing before God and making himself available to be a messenger. To be an oracle of God. An oracle is someone who speaks the words of another. And so Isaiah took on that Responsibility that calling, he responded to the cry of God, Whom shall I send? Isaiah says, Lord, here I am, send me. And Isaiah went on to become one of the major prophets in the Old Testament. He wrote about the future of the Messiah, he wrote about the judgments of Israel. When you when you read the book of Isaiah, it's a book rich in information, in illustration, in imagery, in prophecy. Much of it has been fulfilled. Some of it is still to be fulfilled. It became an oracle of God. A voice for God. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Here I am. Send me. Listen, people. Churches don't just happen. This church didn't just happen. To, for a church to happen, it takes a calling. It starts with a calling, someone having a calling, a calling. They, they see a need. They see something that needs to be done. There is a, a gap to be filled. There is a need to be met. They sense God saying, go and do this in this place for that season or for that purpose. It starts with a calling. And then it takes someone to respond to that calling, to say, here I am, Lord, <laughs> send me. I, I don't know quite what to do. I don't feel completely capable, but here I am, Lord, send me. And then it takes like-minded people to join and support that calling and join that person who responded to the calling. And then it, it requires those people becoming becoming a team, becoming a family who work together to bring that calling about. And of course, then the result is people being reached with the message of the gospel, people being told about the good news of Jesus, people being brought into a, a group of like-minded people, studying the Bible together, experiencing the power of God together, laughing together, crying together, and, and becoming a family and allowing God to do their work, His work in their lives. And you see, God works through ordinary imperfect people to touch lives and change lives by his power as we shall see later uh, jesus chose to use you and me ordinary people god could have used angels those beings that fly around the throne if they came down to earth they probably would have a greater impact than me or you telling somebody else hey god loves you man (laughs) and yet God chose to use us, to use people, to tell other people the good news of the gospel and to share the love of God. Our church is 35 years old today. It started actually 38 years ago in our living room, my wife and I, in our living room, and it started as a Portuguese home cell part of the Hatfield Christian Church. Back then, Portuguese people and Portuguese families actually spoke Portuguese. Everybody. Okay, today it's a bit different. You know, Portuguese people speak more English and Afrikaans than Portuguese, you know. But back then, everybody, so the children spoke Portuguese, the youth spoke Portuguese, the papas and mamas spoke Portuguese. And so we began a cell in Portuguese for the Portuguese community as part of the Hatfield Christian Church. As the group grew and and the cell multiplied, the need for a Portuguese ministry was acknowledged by the leadership of Hatfield Christian Church. And so on the 21st of May, 1988, 35 years ago today, my wife and I, Dio and I, were ordained as pastors of Hatfield Portuguese Ministry, and our church, our house, was born Now, so much has happened in these last 35 years, including the transition from a purely Portuguese church to the multicultural community church that we are today. Over the years, this church has ministered to hundreds of people of many nationalities. Today, some of those people are overseas or somewhere in other parts of South Africa some in other parts of Pretoria, and some are already enjoying the glories of heaven. Some of those members are watching right now online in different parts of the world or the nation. Some of you here today, in person or online, have been with us for many years. Others are quite new to this church. And so, to kind of give us a little sense of our history, we are going to watch a brief video, very short video, giving us an overview of these 35 years of history. Those who have been around here for a while, even those of you watching, you may, uh, you may recognize and remember some of these uh, scenes. For those who are new, I hope it will give you a kind of sense of understanding of our background and our journey so far. So let's take a couple of minutes and sit back and enjoy this brief video. Our story began in the mid 1980s when uh, Dio and I launched a Portuguese cell. And in fact, that cell started in our lounge. During that first year, a hundred different people moved through our lounge. That cell grew, And eventually, a need was felt to launch a ministry, a church for the Portuguese community here in Pretoria. On the 21st of May, 1988, Deo and I were ordained as pastors to lead what became the Hatfield Portuguese Ministry. We started there in a little place called Living Waters, a hall in the Capitol Park and there we would meet weekly and there we began to grow and develop this ministry. But time passed and we needed a bigger venue so in 1992 we moved to a bigger venue in Arcadia. At the same time, because the Portuguese people were marrying non-Portuguese spouses, we began to do bilingual services. And after a couple of years, we had quite a multicultural, multinational group of people gathering in this Portuguese ministry. And the time came that uh, eventually we needed a home of our own, and that's when we bought the church that we call home. There was some work we had to do, and uh, we worked together as a church to paint and uh, refurbish the hall of the church. And in November of 1997, we moved over to what is now our home here in Capitol Park. Over the years, we've become a predominantly English-speaking church, which led to a change in the way we do our services. This ultimately led us to rebrand into Awaken Life Church, a church for all nations, with Portuguese flavor. And that's it. 35 years in three minutes. <laughs> okay. I haven't changed a bit, right? <laughs> wow. Yeah, a lot of memories, a lot of memories. You know, especially for us, have been around here for a while. Uh, seeing these photos does bring uh, back a lot of memories, are wonderful Uh, times that we've had together but thus far the lord has helped us that was the ending of the of the video on that verse thus far the lord has helped us and we know that he who has been faithful thus far will be faithful and will continue to be faithful with us in the future not just as a church but also as for us as individuals and as families let's keep that in mind But let's think again of today's verse. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. Over 40 years ago, Dio and I answered that call. You must remember, we didn't answer the call 35 years ago. By the time this church had started, Dio and I had already answered the call many years before. Over 10 years before, we had already responded to the call of God and had made ourselves available to God. And so... We just worked in our church and whatever we could do, we served. And as time progressed, you know, we were being prepared and, and, and and trained for the ministry. And, uh, until the time came to start this church. And of course, serving the Lord, answering the call, um, there were times of, of struggling. To accept the call. I want to share this with you because you see, all of us are actually called to do something for God. Every one of you, those of you watching, those of you listening, those of you sitting here, all of us, if you're a follower of Christ, you are not called just to warm a seat on a Sunday morning. You are called to work for God. You're called to be an oracle of God. And you get to that a little bit later. There is work for us to do both in the local church and outside the church where we work where we study where we do our recreation we are witnesses of the Lord we are spokespeople of God you must remember not everybody is going to come to church the church has to go to people and so yeah some people will come to church and hear the gospel over here but most people are going to hear it from us from you right there where you work where you serve When they watch you and they see your life and they see how you act, how you behave. And I hope and pray that wherever we are, we are being lights to the world. Amen? And so there were times of struggling to accept the call. And sometimes when God calls you for something specific or calls you to serve him more, there can be a little time of confusion. Uh, we, 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 We had to struggle with doubt wondering if we are completely ready for the task. That's one thing. When you work for the Lord, I mean, we're talking about God here, okay? The creator of the universe. Who ever, who is the person who ever feels completely ready for this job? (laughs) You're never going to feel ready. Because he's God. He's eternal. He's mighty. You and I are, you and I, (laughs) with all our limitations. And so that it takes that understanding that God calls us in a weakness, Sometimes we struggle knowing the timing. When do we do what God wants us to do? One of the big struggles was when it came time for, for, for us to leave our jobs. Dio left her secular work two years before I did. She had a great job and she gave that up to start looking after the admin and helping us out with, with, you know, in in meetings and, 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 and shepherding and so forth. I left a little bit later and my, my time to leave was in 1993. (laughs) It was just before 1994 when the the elections came in South Africa. At that time, Portuguese people were leaving this country in drones. And I ran a Portuguese church. And the Lord is saying, now it's time for you to leave your job, the security of your job. It's a beautiful job, very secure, enjoying myself, enjoying what I did. But now it's time for you to dedicate yourself fully to God's work. Oh, God. All right. But the Lord confirmed it was the right time. And uh, I went into Volta Ministry and our church lost nobody during the whole election time at that time, and the church continued to grow. There were joys and challenges as we embraced our call. I read recently that uh, ministry, and that's so true. Ministry is a place to serve, not a place to shine. If you want to serve the Lord to be the main oak, okay, uh, forget it. You 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 know, go and go and go, go to Hollywood if you want to shine. Not to ministry. One needs a servant's heart as well as a shepherd's heart. Now listen, there is great, in, great joy in ministry. When you see breakthroughs, when you see salvation, when you see healings, when you see lives being changed. But there is also great pain in walking with people when there is loss, when there is grief, when there is sickness, when there is family breakup. And when you answer the call, you answer the call for everything, not just for one thing. I do dedications and weddings, but I also do funerals, <laughs> okay? It's part of the call. You've got to share in the joy and in the sadness, intensely in people's lives. There's a minister who this week who wrote the following... As a minister, as a servant of God, you may be assaulted, insulted, slandered, wounded, and rejected. You may be chased by foes, abused by strangers, forsaken by friends, rejected of men. (laughs) And in our ministry over the years, not just the 35 years, but the over 40 years of ministry that we've been doing, we've experienced a little bit of that as well. However, the bottom line, listen, the bottom line is this, that there is more joy than sorrow when you serve the Lord. There is more great moments than bad ones. And there are more joyful memories than sad ones. In fact, this week, Dio and I took time to take a bit of stock. And, and we were asking each other, "You know, if we could go back now. Go back now 38, 40 years. Go back 40 years knowing what we know today, having this knowledge that we have today. If we could go back then, would we still respond to the call? Would we still accept this call and expose ourselves to everything all over again? And our reply, both of us felt the same. Our reply was, yes, we would do it. Because in spite of the disappointments and pain, The joys and the victories are worth it. The lives changed. The lives touched. God being glorified, being used by God was worth it. And so, yes, if we had to go back, knowing we've got to go through all this again, we'd do it. Because of the joy of serving God and the effect. You see, it's an eternal effect. It's not just something you do, you know, And in the last few years. When you're working with people and helping them to connect with God, you're changing eternity for people's lives. When you're working in a church and you're part of a church and you're, you're helping do what the church does, you're not just working for the church, you're working to touch people's lives for eternity. And that is a worthwhile investment. Amen? And so... Although the Lord does not call everyone into full-time ministry, every believer is called to minister full-time. How's that? Okay. Although not every believer is called into full-time ministry. In other words, not every believer is called to leave their secular work and work in a church setting okay, being paid by the church, trusting God that people will give money to the church, the church can pay them kind of thing, or living by faith. Not everybody's called to do that, but every believer is called to work for the Lord full time, which means when you are at work, you're not just doing the work you do. You think you're there as a You know, as somebody in an academic or in a profession or in a, you know, know, whatever you do, you think, dear, I'm just fixing cars, I'm just fixing pipes, I'm just, you know, helping people, I'm just stamping papers. No, you're not. You are there as an agent of Jesus Christ. And sooner or later, one of your friends, one of your colleagues, one of your workmates is going to come and talk to you. And he's going to share a situation, a condition. And you are going to have an opportunity to share with them the love of God. You could have an opportunity to say, Listen, man, you, you are in a mess, man. I, I don't know what to do, but can I pray for you at least? Oh, they might reject you, or they might say, Yeah, please pray for me. And who knows what God might do when you pray for this person? And you could be an instrument of bringing someone who's far away from Jesus, bringing them close to Jesus. Because we are all in full time ministry. And so the way we behave at work, the way we speak, the way we act. I remember when I was in secular, secular employment, sometimes we had a thing called a Coke party. Because we were quite, our, our campus was away from the city, we had our little fridge there with Cokes and cold drinks and so forth. And we used to, to buy and put money in there and, you know, we we would charge a little bit more. And then with the profit of that money, w- once in a while, we'd have a Coke party. You know, with the profit of the Coke, we'd have a party. And there wasn't much Coke at the party. A lot more beers than Coke. But it was amazing. I would go to these parties and I'd study with my Coke. I don't have anything against drinking beer, but you know the setting, okay? And so sometimes, because these guys I new, these guys are going to go take off, I would stick to my Coke. And it's amazing. My colleagues, after three or four beers, how open they became. And guess who they, would, who they would go and talk to? Valdir. Hey, Valdir, come here, man. Man, you know, you're not this Jesus freak. Say, come here, let me talk to you, man. <laughs> and you know how many people I was able to encourage to pray for? One or two I was able to bring them back to the Lord. Because they could see there's something different about this the Solver guy. He doesn't always talk like we talk. He doesn't behave like we behave. Now, I wasn't trying to impress them. I wasn't trying to be goody-goody for them. I'm trying to impress my God. I'm trying to please God. I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to work through me. And that's been my life's mission. Not because I'm a pastor. I was like this before I was a pastor. I'm just allowing the Holy Spirit to change me into the person he wants me to be. And that's what church is all about. As we come together, as we worship God, we're allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to change us. These are the words of Jesus, Matthew nine thirty seven to 38. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And Jesus says this after he went about all the little cities in Galilee. And he was preaching, and he was healing, and he was touching people, he was blessing people. And then after doing this, he looks at this, at this multitude and he says, the harvest is plenty. Look at these people. They look like sheep without shepherd. Pray that God sends laborers to preach to them, to encourage them, to pray for them, to help them to see the goodness of God. After his resurrection, before his ascension, which was remembered last Thursday. Remember last Thursday was ascension day. And just before his ascension, he speaks to his followers again. And in Matthew 28 verse 19, he says, go therefore <laughs> and make disciples of all the nations. First, he tells them to pray to the Lord to send laborers. And then he hangs around with these guys and these guys hang out with Jesus and, and they see what he's doing. And then sometime later, he says, okay, guys, now I'm telling you, you go. <laughs> First, he tells them to pray that God sends out laborers. And then Jesus says, you are the answer to your own prayers. Now, you go, you go, you go and make disciples, you go and make disciples. Jesus told him to go to all the nations, to baptize the believers, to teach those who believe, to observe or to do the things that Jesus has taught them. And the apostles, they took the lead. But every follower of Jesus in the first century had a part to play in this commission. This commission was not just for the disciples or for the apostles. It was for every follower of Jesus. And that commission echoes across the centuries until today. Because those guys, they couldn't cover the whole world in their lifetime. And that's why we know that that commission wasn't specifically just for them. It's for every follower of Christ. And this commission stands until Jesus returns. And so today, Jesus is still looking at you and I and saying, go and make disciples. And so the question is today, how are you responding to that commission? What role are you playing In making disciples. And all of us can have a role to play. A bigger role. A smaller role. All of us have a role to play. I hear people sometimes today. I had a a guy who came from overseas. And um, he came to tell me. He's in the ministry today. He's a pastor today. And he came to tell me that. When we were in school. Because I kind of made my commitment to Christ. I was in school just before my trick. And he says, man, it was what you said to me and the change I saw in you that caused me to eventually come to Jesus Christ. They say, what? I didn't know that. But you see, I had a a little role to play in that man getting close to Jesus. I didn't even realize that at the time. I was just trying to follow Jesus. And I was just trying to share the gospel as best as I could with my friends in school. (laughs) Come on, you guys are in school. You know what high school is like, eh? All right? So I'm just doing my best to to help him. Little did I know that I was playing a part in him coming to Jesus and eventually becoming a worker in the field, a pastor. So what part are you playing? And I wonder how many of you will answer the call of God when he asks, Whom shall I send? Today, this church is 35 years old. This church can easily exist for another 35 years. But Dio and I cannot lead this church for another 35 years. And so the question comes from above today and says, Whom shall I send to continue the work of Awakened Life Church? There are already some of you serving in different ministries in this church. And there are some of you whom the Lord may be calling to do different ministries here at Awaken Life. Have you ever considered that the Lord could use you here in this church? Not just as a member who attends, but as an active participant in what this church does. And then, just like this church started 35 years ago and met a particular need, there may be need for other churches today, in other places, meeting different needs. Come on. Every church in Pretoria is not filled. A lot of people in Pretoria, in South Africa, in the world, are not going to church. And maybe there is a church needed for those people somewhere. Could the Lord be calling one of you here to start a church somewhere else where there is a specific need? And where people could be helped and you could be the one helping them? Look around the city, the nation, the world. So many people are still away from the Lord, like lost sheep, as Jesus said. Is the Lord placing something in your heart and telling you to do something, to minister to them? When Isaiah heard a question coming from God, his reply was, Here I am, send me. And here his zeal for the things of God is revealed, as well as his confidence. That God would be with him and empower him to do what he had to do. What a difference from when he first saw the Lord and and it felt so, so worthless, so powerless, so insignificant. But you see, a touch from God in his life changed everything. And you realize it's not about him, it's about God. It's about what God could do in him and through him. And listen, we too have been touched by God through Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ, our sins have been forgiven. Our guilt has been removed. We have eternal life, remember? Eternal life is in us now. Initially, you may not be sure of what God wants to do through you. So start small. Start where you are. Do what you can with what you've got. And as you learn and draw closer to him, he will make plain to you what to do. So, We are going to close the service now with a time of reflection and prayer. And afterwards, after we close in prayer, those present, I'd like to ask you to move to the uh, veranda where we want to cut the celebration cake, and then you are all invited to enjoy a piece of cake for us as we celebrate our anniversary. And those of you watching online go, oh, no cake for me. Come on, go ahead and have something sweet there in your house and celebrate with us, okay? All right. And so, as we celebrate 35 years of existence, I want to acknowledge and thank all those who have contributed and have been part of this church in the past and in the present. Many have given financially. Many have given of their time and their skills. You saw a bit of that action on the screen. Many have given financially. Many have served in various departments and ministries. Many have served as leaders at different levels. And you all made a difference. You all made a contribution to this church. And we thank you. We survived COVID. It took a knock. It really, it, we felt it. We are still feeling it. We have not recovered completely to what we were before. And it's not just us. Many churches, very few churches, have been able to bounce back completely to where they were. Most churches are still struggling. And, of course, the changes in the nation, in the economics, and, you know, world stuff, has affected many people. And people are still kind of resettling and and finding their feet. And, And it's the same with our church, our members. So there is work to be done, people. There's almost like a a, a rebuild and a restart for us as we go forward. And so I thank you for all those that are working right now that have helped us. And we trust the Lord to do his work in the future, to bring in the people that need to be brought in. Help us to reach out to those we can reach out. There are still people to be one for Christ. There are still people to be disciples for Christ. And you and I, can be instruments of God in doing that. Let's have now a time of reflection and prayer. I wonder if you would stand up with me now and just bow your heads and close your eyes and let us pray. And the Lord says today, whom shall I send? And I wonder how many of you sense the voice of the Lord speaking to you today. I wonder how many of you are ready to say, here I am, send me. I I know that some of you perhaps have already said that. And you are here today because you say to the Lord, here I am, Lord, send me. And today, you are already involved or getting ready to be involved. But I wonder how many of you have been challenged today. You've been kind of in the fence. Should I, shouldn't I, do I commit myself, where do I stand? You may not know for sure. Or maybe you have an idea of what God is calling you to do. But it starts with your response in humility and in weakness and in total dependence on God. Is he calling you to a greater service in this church and in his church? You could start here, but God could take you somewhere else. I wonder if you are ready to respond today. And while we keep our heads bowed our eyes closed, if, if you haven't ever responded to this call of God, and you feel today that the Lord is calling you to respond, I want you to quickly put your hands up and then take it down again. Very quickly. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. I see. Okay. Thank you. The Lord has seen you. Okay. The Lord has seen you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you've seen, Lord, every, every person. That has indicated Lord, that willingness to say lord here i am in my weakness in my humanity but in my sincerity and in my dependability on you lord here i am lord send me i pray father that as the next few weeks and months go by as they continue in your word they continue in you lord god That you would make it clear to them, Lord, what it is that you've got for them. As they pray, as they seek you, I pray for clarity to become evident in their lives. I pray you empower them, Lord, to right there where they are right now. They're at school, at work, at home. Among their friends, as they spend time in recreation together, Lord, continue to speak to them and make them alert of their surroundings, Lord. Open their eyes to see the needs that there are around them. Help them to see the sheep without a shepherd, Lord God. And begin to extend a hand of friendship, of support. Speak words of comfort words of encouragement, offer to pray for them, look for ways of sharing the gospel with their friends. Use each one, Lord God, use each one of us. And Father, we thank you, Lord. We want to thank you today, Lord, for these 35 years of your faithfulness upon this church, Lord. We give you glory and honor because we acknowledge it was you, Lord God. Through good times and through bad times, you have remained faithful to us, my God. And we know you will continue to be faithful to us. And so we thank you. I pray your blessing upon everyone here present, Lord God. I pray that your word will remain in our hearts and bring forth fruit. That these words will echo in our minds and in our hearts. Whom shall I send? And may we consistently reply, here I am, Lord. Send me. Use me, Lord. Speak through me, Father. And so we thank you for this time together, Lord. Thank you for... Blessing our time of fellowship now and celebration. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. In Jesus' name. And now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit remain upon each one of us, each one of you, as we continue to respond to the Lord and say, You're my Lord. Send me. We'll see you next week. Have a blessed day, a blessed week. Amen.